Welcome to Basic Brewing Radio for Thursday, July 21st. I'm James Spencer. Here at Basic Brewing Radio, we're all about home brewing, making beer at home. In these first episodes, we hope to give you a bit of background in home brewing, and we hope to encourage you to look into the hobby further. In this episode, we continue our chat with longtime home brewer and homebrew store owner Andy Sparks. In this podcast, we talk to Andy about the nuts and bolts of home brewing, the basic equipment, and the basic process. We also talk about ales versus lagers and the variances in beer styles. And later in the show, we dip into our basic brewing virtual mailbag to answer a question about sterilizing wort. But first, our conversation with Andy Sparks. Andy and his father, Neil, operate the home brewery in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We spent some time with Andy after hours one Saturday, sipping a beer and getting some insight into the fun and interesting hobby of home brewing. Andy, I want to thank I want to thank you for uh, welcoming us into your uh, store again. No problem. Glad and, to have you. And uh, in this uh, segment, I want to talk a bit about the more the nuts and bolts of home brewing. Sure, sure. You've been brewing for since oh, the mid ni- since the mid nineties at least. Gosh, yeah, probably fifteen. Uh, Fifteen years, and uh, let's let's go through the process. Let's go through the nuts and bolts of if someone comes in and says, "I want to get into home brewing, what do I got to buy? What's the process? Set me up." Okay. Uh, well, you know, normally since this is a store, we're trying to to sell our our kits and and so forth. But the basic uh, basic equipment that you need to brew, uh, obviously, you need a pot to boil all this stuff in. You're going to be boiling about about five gallons of fluid along with uh, a few pounds of malt extract. So you're going to need a pot that's bigger than five gallons, typically. Um, but you can split that up. You can, you pots. can. Uh, you can do that in, in stages. Uh, I prefer to brew it, boil everything together. It's, uh, it makes sure everything's mixed thoroughly and, and everything's sanitized in the same pot. By boiling it, you're basically making sure that nothing is still alive in the water and in the ingredients you use. Um, we talked in the earlier episode about uh, about the importance of sanitization, and uh, we really cannot uh, overemphasize that. Sanitization is the key to making quality homebrew. Um, but you'll need you'll need a pot to boil it in. You'll need the other equipment you'll need is a fermenter uh, that can be either be a large plastic pail. You want to use a food grade bucket or a pail, um, not uh, not a pickle bucket or a some bucket that has had grease or something in it. Obviously, we only we encourage everybody to use either glass uh, containers or food grade plastic pails, um, and and those that can be sealed. Exactly. Um, technically, you can you can just use something that can be covered and lightly sealed um, because what will happen is as it ferments, it's going to produce a lot of gas, which creates a cushion of CO2 which is heavier than air, and it will force everything else out of the fermenter um, as far as other air and, and, and stuff like that. But you're right. You, the, the, the easiest and the, the safest thing is to use a bucket or a, some, or a glass jug that can be sealed, uh, but not completely. What you're going to want to do is have something called an airlock um, on there, uh, and that's a little device that allows gas to escape but doesn't allow air or anything else to get back into the, into the fermenter. Because when the yeast, when you are fermenting, the yeast produces carbon dioxide, and that's going to come out. So you can't just seal the thing shut. Exactly, exactly. The magic ingredient, yeast, is, will will eat the sugar um, in in the in the beer. We call this what we when you make beer, 
what what you make is something called wort, and that's that's water and malt ex and malt uh, the sugar from the barley plant along with some the hops, which adds bitterness and flavor. You mix all that stuff up. We 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 suggest you boil it. Um, typically, we boil it for at least an hour. It takes about an hour to pull the bitterness out of the hops. So almost every batch will call for at least a one-hour boil. Um, after all that's done, you end up with this big, thick, syrupy liquid. Um, sugar soup, essentially. Sugar soup, exactly. Um, and that's what you're going to ferment. That's what you're going to put the yeast in, and that yeast is going to then eat the sugar and produce two things, carbon dioxide and alcohol. Uh, the alcohol obviously stays in your beer to produce the the effect that we all enjoy. And <laughs> What's that? I, I'm not familiar. And uh, the CO2 uh, escapes. Um, it's the same stuff that makes the beer carbonated in the bottle, and we will use that ability of yeast to produce CO2 um, when we go to make the beer carbonated at the end of the process. Um, but basically, we, um, we're going to boil all these ingredients together, and we're going to put them in our fermenter and uh, put the yeast in and let it ferment you know, from until all the sugar is gone, basically, and it goes still. Um, but there's some other things that you're going to need besides this fermenter. Um, you're going to need some brushes to clean your fermenter with and clean any bottles that you're going to uh, put this beer in. You're also going to probably want to have what's called a hydrometer, which uh, measures specific gravity. That's basically how thick, how much ingredients is in the water. Because one of the, the main ingredients, obviously, in beer is water. Um, and what you want to do is you want to be able to take this measurement and say, how much stuff is in my is in my beer wort to start with? And then when it's all finished, you can take the same measurement and subtract the, the two values, and that will tell you how much sugar was consumed and turned into alcohol. And therefore, you can say, oh, my beer is a 4.2% by volume or whatever. So you take um, a measurement before fermentation and then after fermentation. And exactly. The, and the difference in looking at your hydrometer. Uh, which is essentially a glass. It looks almost like a thermometer, right? Uh, that right. floats in a little cylinder of water, and, and you just l and read the gauge on the side. Right, right. Um, now, after you've been in the hobby a while, uh, you may or may not care how much alcohol is in your finished beer, and you can kind of wing it. And so, a lot of home brewers don't bother to take hydrometer measurements. Uh, it's really only for for record keeping and for your personal knowledge to know um, how much is in there. The other reason you might want to use a hydrometer um, is that sometimes beers, when they ferment, don't ferment out completely. And uh, so one of the ways you can tell that your beer is done fermenting is to take a measurement and see that it's consumed all the sugar. If there's a lot of sugar left in the solution, you'll take a reading and it'll the reading will be a little high and you'll realize that for some reason, the yeast has decided to stop eating the sugar and, and basically goes to sleep and falls to the bottom of, the, of your fermenter. If, if you're doing a barley wine or something right. with a really a, a large amount of sugar to begin with and then a large amount of alcohol at the end. Exactly. Um, that's one of the ones where you may want to really do that. And, and if, if it is the case that you, you think there's still plenty of sugar left to be eaten and you want that to, that to happen, you can do a couple things. You can... You can stir the yeast back up, um, bring it to a little warmer temperature. Um, typically, we ferment ales at uh, room temperature. Um, I, I, I like to tell people 70, 72, something like that. In the summer, it's pretty difficult to achieve, um, even with a good air conditioner. Uh, but in the fall and the winter, it's pretty easy to do. Um, and in the spring, 
but uh, there's a, the, the other way you can do that is to add a little additional yeast, especially on like you were describing a barley wine that has a lot of ingredients, a lot of alcohol. You can add uh, champagne yeast to it, and champagne yeast is very tolerant of alcohol, and uh, it will go ahead and take off and start fermenting. The only issue there is you tend to it tends to produce a fairly dry product in the end, mm-hmm. and dry means that it has no sweetness left. Um, so, depending on what you're looking for, if that's what you're looking to produce, you, there are ways to manipulate it and make that happen. So we're 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 talking about the basic process of extract home brewing, right? Uh, and since this is basic brewing uh, radio, uh, we're we're talking about the very basic uh, uh, method at this point. Uh, and extract brewing is taking this sugary either powder or syrup, right? And right. Then, and then boiling that and adding your hops and then cooling that down uh, because you don't want to pitch your yeast into a boiling pot of water. It'll just kill it just right. like uh, yeast, it, it yeast kills everything else. Yeast likes to be at room temperature, basically. Um, we should probably mention that there are two different kinds of yeast, um, basically, in the world. There's ale and lager yeast. Uh, ale yeast ferments readily at room temperature. Actually, so does uh, lager yeast. But the difference is that lager yeast can tolerate being fermented at cool temperatures, whereas ale yeast can't. Ale yeast tends to just go to sleep at, at cool temperatures. Um, and the, the thing is, when you want to make a lager, and the famous lagers in the world are pilsners from Czechoslovakia and Germany. Which is what most of the American and beers are. And most of the American domestic beers are... Are, are takeoffs of the traditional pilsners and lagers, although they've been engineered to be brewed pretty much as inexpensively as possible by the major <laughs> breweries um, by adding what we call adjuncts uh, like rice and corn to the beer because they're much cheaper than barley. Uh, the sugar from the barley plant is more expensive than the sugar from rice uh, or the sugar from corn. So when we brew, we, tip, we like to brew with only barley malt which is, according to the German purity laws, um, the Reinsgebot. It's, uh, <laughs> the only things that should be in beer is water, hops, and barley malt. Of course, they came up with this purity law before they realized that yeast is the magic ingredient that turns it all into <laughs> beer. So they later had to amend it to add yeast as another ingredient you can put in, in beer. But... That's what we we prefer an all malt product. We consider that a better product and a and a, just a superior way of making beer. Now you can use you said barley malt, but you can also have a wheat beer with a, with a wheat malt. Certainly, certainly. Um, that is one of the kind of exceptions to the rule is the the, the wheat beers. But wheat beers are not hundred percent wheat. Almost all wheat beers are brewed actually with about sixty percent barley malt and only about forty percent wheat malt. Um, there are beers that are made with a lot, with more wheat and some with less. Um, as a matter of fact, some beers are made with just a small amount of, of wheat, and they are not even called wheat beers. You wouldn't even see wheat in the name. So, uh, they it, wheat adds uh, some head retention, adds the you know gives it the ability to foam up a little better. So a lot of times we'll throw a little bit of wheat in a beer just to enhance the head retention and stuff like that. And there's a, a, a little bit of an impact on the on the mouth feel as well. Right. How they whether it the beer feels uh, watery or a little thicker. Right. Uh, we call that basically. body. The, a, a beer has a certain a character called body, and that's how thick and viscous it feels in your mouth. Um, and we, I tend to prefer a beer that has some mouthfeel, some body, and it's not too thin. And uh, the, the thinner it is, the more you think of water when you drink it, and the more it feels like water in your mouth. 
And uh, what we want is something that uh, has some some body and some some robustness in your mouth when you drink it. Now, what in the in the previous segment we talked a bit about the misconceptions about beer, and one of the misconceptions I think that people have about home brewing is that if you have a homebrew beer, it's going to be just as dark and strong as you know it can be. Right, right. And you can, can make them that way. Right. I hear that all the time. Uh, one of the, the things that I hear a lot is they, I'll have a customer come in that's maybe just new to enjoying the beers of the world, um, and they refer to a beer as being, wow, that beer is very, it was very stout beer. Mm-hmm. 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 I like to say stout is a style, not a description. It's a, <laughs> stout is a type of beer, and and it can it can be very very thick and very strong, but not all stouts are strong and thick, and not all homebrews are stouts. Uh, so you, you can, can make, you can make some very light beers, exactly light you, colored beers, light tasting beers. Even even a, a beer that is dark in color can be light tasting, exactly and light in body. Exactly, it's, it's just what you put in it. Exactly, there are beers that run from the from very very dark to very light, and from sweet to very dry um, on both sides of the fence, lagers and ales. Um, typically, we, we hear people that, that think that all beers that are dark are going to be thick and heavy, and they're not. Uh, you can make a, a, a black beer um, that is, you know, the same thickness and the same, has the same body and mouthfeel as a domestic pilsner. Um, a Schwartz beer is, is, called, is a German black beer. But it isn't a thick beer. It's not meant to be very heavy. The biggest, heaviest beers uh, are like uh, the Russian Imperial Stouts, which are extremely thick and extremely heavy and full-bodied and make a Guinness uh, Extra Stout seem thin and runny. Uh, so You could uh, eat it with a fork, but you better use a spoon to get every last drop. Get all of it, exactly. <laughs> Well, the, the um, uh, you know, one, one thing that I, I tend to think that most people who drink beer are drinking the major labels, uh, and a, a lot of people are drinking the light version of those labels. Exactly. And after a while, when you're drinking beer, it's almost like drinking iced tea. You know, mm-hmm. we drink a lot of iced tea around here in the South, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I ever actually taste iced tea anymore. I get it in the restaurant and I drink it and I never think about the taste of iced tea. Yeah, it could be water for all Yeah, you know. it could be it could be water uh, with a little lemon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and some people put sugar in there, but yeah. you know, they've grown to accept the taste of these light beers as what beer tastes like. Right. Which is next to nothing <laughs> a lot of the times. And when they come across something that tastes different, it's different and therefore it's alien to them and they, exactly. and they may be put off by that. Right, right. You know, I find that a lot of people, uh, when I first talk to them about beer, they'll say something like, well, I just don't like dark beer. And 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 I always find that amusing because it's not necessarily the darkness that they object to. It's, it's the flavors in it. It's how much ingredients was put in the original batch. Um, you know, people object to different things. Uh, whether it's very bitter or not bitter or, you know, sweet or not sweet. You know, beers can be all these things, and, and, and you can't just pre- prejudge a beer by, by its color. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well said. And with that, I think we'll we'll end uh, this segment here. And I, once again, Andy Sparks of the Home Brewery, I, I appreciate your letting us come in and, and take your time. No problem. Anytime, James. You can visit Andy's store online at thehomebrewery.com. That's thehomebrewery.com. There you can see what the Home Brewery has to offer in the way of equipment and ingredients. And while we're plugging things, if you want to learn how to brew beer in your own home, you can visit basicbrewing.com and check out our DVD video, Introduction to Extract Home Brewing, where we walk you through the fun and easy process of making your very own beer. Now... Let's look into our Basic Brewing virtual mailbag. First of all, I'd like to say howdy to Jeff Bearer from Craft Beer Radio. Jeff listened to our first podcast and wrote to say welcome to the neighborhood and to give some much-appreciated technical advice. Thanks, Jeff. And if you're into craft beer, you'll want to check out craftbeerradio.com. But here's a warning. Have a beer handy when you listen to the show because you will get thirsty listening to Greg and Jeff taste the beer on the air. They do a good job there. We also have a good question this week. It comes from Adam. He says, How do I know if my beer was not sterile? What can happen to the beer and how can I tell if it was or not? Well, this is a kind of a trick question. In a way, we tend not to use the word sterile when we talk about the wort, or beer before it's fermented, and equipment. When brewing, we're trying to sanitize, not sterilize. To sterilize means that there would be absolutely no living thing in the wort or on the equipment. That's what happens in an operating room, but it's not very practical in home brewing. What we try to do with sanitation is to minimize microscopic organisms like wild yeast, mold, and bacteria so that your yeast will have a good head start and be the overall dominant creature that lives in your beer and imparts the taste that it was intended to give. So, the two most important things we can do is to boil the wort and sanitize everything that's going to touch the beer after it's been cooled down after the boil. So while we don't need to sanitize the brew pot and spoon, we do need to sanitize the fermenter, airlock and stopper, racking wands, bottles and caps, etc. that come in contact with a cool beer or wort. If your beer becomes infected with a wild yeast or other microorganism, you might smell really bad odors like rotten eggs coming from your fermenter's airlock or notice a ring of residue in your bottles at the top of the beer or taste a funky off taste. In a worst case, you might see jelly-like strands in your beer, and I wouldn't even sip that. Now, I've heard many, many times that nothing that can hurt you can live in beer because of the alcohol content, so you probably don't have to worry about making anyone sick. If you suspect you have an infection in your beer after it's been bottled, don't throw it away yet, unless it has the jelly stuff in there. Some off flavors will mellow with bottle conditioning as the yeast in the beer does a little cleaning up. I've tasted beers that have had the little ring in around the bottle, uh, around the top of the beer, and they tasted just fine. Now, if you're new to brewing, here's some good advice, I think. Try not to panic over everything that is unusual to you, although it is the natural thing to do. For instance, the first day or so of fermentation, the puffs of air coming out of the airlock will smell pretty sweet and tasty. However, that smell changes subtly as the fermentation progresses. Now, my first batch or two, I was really worried because I'd heard about foul odors during fermentation, even though these odors weren't that foul. 
But with time, of course, everything came out okay, and I didn't have anything to worry about. So I hope that answers your question, Adam. Now, we'd love to hear from you, too. If uh, you have a question, please send your questions or comments to james at basicbrewing.com or fill out the contact form at basicbrewing.com. Let us know what you'd like to hear in future episodes or if you have a question or a comment or just want to say hi. But that's it for this week. Next time, we wrap up our discussion with Andy Sparks on the basics of home brewing. We talk quite a bit about hops, so you hop heads will want to tune in. Thanks for listening. I'm James Spencer. Production help for Basic Brewing Radio and our website is provided by Kelly Dotson. We'll talk to you next time. So long. <laughs>